Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 42nd 42nd Kessel Run Comics podcast. This is your host Macadelic and co-host Skilly Boy. And as always, we're back again this week with a top 5. We didn't actually look up any certain speculation and we haven't pre-discussed any type of rumors. But um if you guys want us to look up some of that, like we'll uh, interact more at the end of this podcast with any of you guys who are sitting in on us live. But um, as always, let's just jump right into our top five. No point in wasting time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for number five on our list, this was one of my two picks. This is Punchline number one. Um, this is a new one-shot from DC Comics, obviously, written by James Tenyon IV, the creator or shall I say co-creator, because they give equal you know, creative rights to writer-artist teams. But this was kind of an interesting book that was just meant to kind of give a bigger origin story for Punchline, being that she's a new fan-favorite character on top of... Come on, guys. We knew this was a money grab. Yeah, definitely. I did not like the book at all. It was way too lengthy, in my opinion. And it just... You know, I don't like reading a lot whenever I'm reading a comic book. And I talk about that anytime there's a long book. And this book just was more of that. Right. It was a slugger to get through, and I didn't like it. Yeah, it's harder. You know, I always say that I like to sit back and look at the art. I think there's something about not being able to do the, uh, not written arts, but um, what are those? Visual arts. Yeah. I'm not really good at visual arts, and I can't even really say I'm good at other arts, but I just have a deeper appreciation for something that I have no talent for, like drawing, coloring, all that sort of thing. Um, and I definitely agree. While I thought the art in this book, every page, every panel, like, I had no problem. It was stunning. But where it falls short for me was just oversaturation of you know text I felt it was long and drawn out and it really didn't require this intensity on this book they could have as we said before we went live this could have been a three issue five issue miniseries and had way less text in this kickoff issue and probably been a better series than this was a one shot yeah definitely it really is just terrible I really don't like it. Really don't like I it? I really do not. I was about to say, you said you didn't like it at the beginning, and I kind of expected that whenever I, you know, I first made little mention of it, but, yeah, like, I didn't think you would hate it. Uh, you know, this is, the only thing that we've read that's worse than this to me is the aristocrats or whatever it was, the ludocrats. Ludocrats. Yeah, that, ludocrats was worse. That was, then that was, if you think this that is, that's the worst thing that we've ever read, then, like. And this is right above it. This isn't quite that bad. Yeah. This, this was pretty, but it could have been executed way better. I agree. Oh, yeah. What would be your overall rating for it? A one and a half. Jeez, that is... I'm pretty positive that's the lowest you've ever given a book. Yeah. One and a half. Oh, my gosh. And that's just because the art wasn't spectacular. Yeah. It was I, good. Not spectacular, but that was the only thing I had going. Okay. I'm not... I'm not so... messed up or bent over the art as much as I am the writing, but the writing can't... You say what? I'm creased about the writing. Oh, uh, 
But see, when it comes to the, I think when it comes to the story overall, this wasn't a bad book. Like we've said, just too much text. Yes, the art could have been better, but I thought it was, you know, I thought it was above par, which if you're not doing stuff above mediocre in the comic industry, then give somebody else should be doing your job. Yeah. Um so that's why I didn't I don't agree with you about it being like subpar. Thought it was just over par or right at par. But for me, this sits just kind of right at a, a two and a half or a three. I can't really make up my mind between those two numbers. Um, like you've said before a few times, if we had like .75 or you know three quarters of a point, I might yeah. would give this a two point seven five. But um, yeah, I'm a two point five or a three on this. Wow. Well, introduce us to number four. Number four is Thor. What number is this? This is three thirty-seven. Three thirty-seven. Okay, because it's not on here. Yeah, it's, it's because it's a True Believers yeah. uh, reprint. But 337, and that is the Beta Ray Bill issue. And this book is, it's a phenomenal book. The only reason I felt it should be this low is because of it being a facsimile. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, it's something that's been printed over and over and over again. And a lot of people have already read it, they know about it, but it should be talked about. Yeah, definitely. I think facsimiles have a place. While they shouldn't be high print counts and overly manufactured I do think that every once in a while the stories of the golden and the silver and the bronze age need to be reprinted so even people who are collectors who actually own those books can instead just crack something like this open or buy this from their LCS for a dollar and read this and have read the same exact story but you know not have to take the risk of opening your book or damaging your book or just any of those sorts of variables that could come into play when reading and taking care of comics. Definitely. This book, I've never read the actual Thor 337 issue, but reading this facsimile almost makes me want to read the initial one, or the original one, because while I didn't pay attention to the ads in this, um, I think the ads are probably reprinted as well, and that's one thing I've inherited from my dad is my dad likes looking at all the old school ads and I think that's kind of cool to do every once in a while especially when you see something cool that you really like the only old school ads I like to see in comics are like my dad used to have something like the last page yeah. was just like the spreadsheet of random stuff you could order yeah those were the best yeah you know? he likes like, those too I don't care about old snicker bar commercials or old M&M like little ads yeah but that page of just randomness Hey, that'd be some killer stuff on there. Yeah, Dad likes that page, and then the page that's basically that same thing, but specifically for comics. Like, there used to be, like, Mile High Comics yeah. in Denver and, like, uh, Metropolis Comics that have been around for, like, 30, 40 years. Like, those shops have ads that are, like, you know, buy, you know, uh, not Wolverine, Incredible Hulk 181 for the first appearance of Wolverine, and it's, like... $10, or like $15. And like back then, you know, because it was like a 60 center or something like that, that was a lot of money. That yeah. was way over cover price. But that now, you know, I dropped $10 on plenty of 181s. Give them all to <laughs> me. I'd rake them in. But is there any more comments that you want to make about some first appearance of the Beta Ray Bill? 
Well, I mean, I've read it before because, like, you've seen my facsimile that I have. So yeah. We know I'm not anti-facsimile. And your facsimile I like better because while this one has the True Believers banner and says King in Black on it because apparently Beta Ray Bill is going to play some sort of role in the King in Black stuff in December, your uh, facsimile actually still has the number printed on it. Yeah. And it looks just as close to the real thing with the exception of the price. Well, um, no, mine doesn't have a price. That's the thing. Oh, really? It has not for resale. Because I got mine when I was a kid with a Beta Ray Bill action figure. Got you. So it's like a promo thing. Yeah. Okay. So mine just has not for resale. That's why you can have like all the real old school stuff. Yeah. Because it blatantly says not to sell it, you know? Yeah. You just can't play it off. Right. So, yeah, that was really cool. I like that attention to detail. I've never thought about that. I mean, I, I've only gotten one comic so far where... When we got it, they were like, okay, this is for show. Don't sell it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't sold it, but it wasn't because I didn't put a price on it. Yeah. It was uh, it was a Joker book. It was when they did the Year of the Villain, like um, John Carpenter story. Yeah. yeah, they sent me like a, a Joker, and it's basically a virgin cover that says in minimal trade dress what the title is. But the whole thing is pretty much just his face, and he's just, you know, got a really yeah. big creepy grin on his face. Nice. Yep. So what would you rate this bad boy? I mean, it's a. I'd give it a three. Just okay. It's a facsimile, you know. Yeah. Nothing new. Yeah, nothing new, but, but a classic story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth a buy if you like are interested. Yeah. Right? I, I'm gonna be right there with you at a three. Nice, solid. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have number three on our list, and if you didn't already guess before, then you probably could have guessed. This is my second pick. This is Star Wars. Darth Vader, number seven. Right in front of Jakob's face. Yes, sir. I'm trying to get Instagram pulled up. So, this book right here, second issue in a new story arc for Vader. The last issue that we got was really awesome. Super cool Inhyuk Lee cover. And Inhyuk Lee has been doing all the covers on these, but the last cover was that cool Sidious, you know, bending lightning or, you know, uh, what's it called, arcing lightning between his hands and Vader was sitting in the middle, trapped. And, you know, just the interior of the issue was real high-quality stuff as well. Um, It really didn't disappoint as far as, you know, my enjoyment of it because it picked up right where we left off. And if anything, I wasn't expecting this to be a first full appearance and a cameo appearance. I thought we were going to save like the entrance of the the um, character called the Eye that appears on the back page. thought that was going to be saved until issue number eight, and this was just going to kind of be a cool continuation of Ochi of Bastoon. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting, like I said, that, that cameo on the back page. I just thought this was going to be our, our full battle issue between Ochi and Vader. And we didn't even get that yet, really. They kind of cross blades a little bit at the end. Well, actually, I don't even know if what Ochi has is a blade. It's more like a spear. But That's still bladed. Yeah, true. Yeah, I was about to say it's just a blade on the tip. But um, what all did you think of it? I don't want to take up all the talk time, but you said you didn't really like it. Well, no, I, I was wrong. I told you the wrong book. I meant uh, to say Punchline earlier whenever I was complaining to you about your picks. Because I actually... Didn't think this book was terrible. I liked Ochi. Yeah, that's uh, the Sith Assassin. Yeah, I think Ochi's a really cool character. Yeah. And I'd read one of them before he was mentioned. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, he really reminds me of Desert Punk. And that's one of my favorite animes of all time. And just how he's like, the way he looks and how he's just like, he's just there. You know, he's not really serious. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here taking my time. I'll, I'll kill you when I want, you know? Yeah. And But he's goofy about it. He's not, like, trying to be intimidating, you know? Right. That's just his character. And I just really like that. And I love any time a bounty hunter or a mercenary or anybody is portrayed like that. Like, just not in a hurry, but yeah. in a comedic way. Yeah. The, I think when you add the comedic aspect, because all you say before you mention uh, comedic was giving me, like, Michael Myers type vibes. Yeah. Because he, he's never in a hurry. Like, that man's always at a walking pace. But, you know, like you said, adding comedy in it or just making it more not lighthearted because there was still a threat there. But whenever ultimately it's just kind of played down or, like he said, in this, uh, in this instance, Ochi was intentionally kind of giving Vader time to repair himself and do what he needed to do because he wanted a fair fight. Yeah. He wanted to... F- quote unquote fight a man who could stand on his own two legs but even after that you know like whenever he was hunting him yeah he, he didn't seem like he was like hunting him seriously oh yeah he was just strolling yeah especially like whenever he blasted those rocks and then you know Vader clearly ran past him to get under those he didn't yeah. try to trip him he didn't try to you know knock him over he didn't punch him in the face like he could have done something but nah he just let him go about whatever he was going to do. Yeah, and that right there specifically is a very desert punkish, like thing. Yeah, you know, that like he would do in in the anime. Yeah, and just I be just, like, oh well, this guy's about to make a dumb move. Let's let him do it anyway. Yeah, and I just really, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy that character. I really like the big old noggin at the end. Dude, I love this. Didn't cover. see that coming. Did not see giant noggin. Yeah, see, like, the eye, I totally, I know he's Why do you call it the eye? It's a big old head. Because that's what he called himself. He did? He said, I'm the eye of something. I think it was the eye of Whispering Bog or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. And in the, the only reason I called it that is because that's what it was solicited as. So, like, the first appearance of the eye or whatever. Or the oracle. It was something like that. But, um, yeah. I can't, I knew in issue eight... Because he's on the cover, uh, the eye, or like this oracle type of character. Um, so I knew we were going to get him there, but I, I enjoyed the little bits. Uh, I like the way he talks. The, like, just, he has almost that hiss to him, even though he's not a snake-like being. But it's, he speaks in parables, so it's super interesting. It's kind of that same type deal when people speak in riddles. Almost similar to, to what... Uh, Thor brought up about Beta Ray Bill. He was talking about monster like you speak in riddles and yeah. that sort of thing. Like it's that same kind of vibe. And you know those people who uh, speak in parables, like Jesus Christ, like Beta Ray Bill, like all of these other, like the Eye, they are beings of a higher plane or like a higher understanding. So often by speaking in parable, it actually helps us understand not confuse us even though that that doesn't sound like i'm right like it sounds like that would be a confusing thing but no often whenever people like when the lord was speaking in parables in the very early days of the bible like more people understood him because 
it was more because what he was saying was more relatable than it was just these outlandish ideas that were hard for our human minds to comprehend. Yeah, feel that. So, give me your overall rating on this Vader issue. It's a three and a half. Okay. Yeah. This one's just like right at four for me. Like it got into that because normally I kind of try to give stuff like the benefit of the doubt and hand out three, three and a half. So just to show my extra appreciation, this is a four, but we're not looking at four and a half or five territory on this one. Nice. If the bounty hunter acted more serious, it would probably be lower. I'm be honest. Really? Yeah. I thought you were gonna say if he acted more uh, serious, then this would be higher. No, because there might actually be a threat. Like Bosk or like you know, uh, Baylor. Like, you know, someone that's, like, seriously, like, serious bounty owner. Like, I'm here to do my job and go home. Yeah. Like, I Give feel me like, my credits. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't have been as entertaining of an issue. I, yeah, I see that because he is, like you said, just an unconventional type hunter or assassin. Yeah. And the fact that he's the one that does sifts, you know, it's like, that's his specialty. Yeah. Like, that's just weird. He's, he's a weird fella to be there. That was another thing you're, like, bringing up now. I really, really like the part where, like, Vader's kind of hiding in the shadows and stuff, and they're speaking. And uh, he says, or Vader asks, who are you? And he says, I'm Ochi of Bastoon, uh, assassin, or Sith assassin. And he says, assassin of the Sith or not of Sith? Or something like that. Or, you know, Sith assassin, but not an assassin of Sith? Or... Or is not a Sith of a Sith. It was something like that, yeah. which basically like was saying, "You hunt us. You're not part of our order." Yeah. Because you know, before that, what we know as a Sith assassin is like Ventress, and she had proper training and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, the mystery that they're referring to Ochi as a Sith assassin does leave me thinking the same way Vader was. Is this someone who's of the Sith order, or is this someone like you said, and it's just their goal and specialty is hunting Sith? I think from the way they interacted in the book, I think that his whole relationship with Palpatine yeah. is that Palpatine pays him to kill Siths because he's not a Sith. So basically he bends Ochi's hatred for his inadequacy to be a powerful dark side user because we did get to see in this once he got a little bit closer to the oracle he could feel it the way yeah. vader could yeah but it was like a less level or a lower level of force sensitivity and so yeah like i think you're probably right like palpatine is manipulating ochi to do his bidding and to kill competition pretty yeah. much because it's obvious that him and palpatine have a relationship and have oh talk. yeah if he knows his plans and stuff this is someone that Palpatine has talked to. Yeah, this is somebody on the inside. Bit. Yeah, this isn't just anybody. But I feel like he's just, like, he might be slightly Force-sensitive, you know? Well, you see he's slightly Force-sensitive. Yeah. But he's nothing, like, out there. Yeah. And he's not crushing stuff and picking up stuff like Vader. Yeah. So I think it's going to be neat. I'm going to more be of that neat. character. He might replace Boss. Well, he's going to be in the rest of this arc, I know for sure, because uh, his net... I don't think in 8 he's going to be a very big part because the eye or like that character is going to be bigger in issue 8. But I think that's where that character is going to drop off and Ochi's going to pick back up. I know for 9 because I've already seen the solicitation. And he's really cool like jumping out at Vader with the spear on the front cover. And uh, so 9 and 10 will wrap up the story arc and more than likely 9 and 10 will be predominant Ochi. Yeah. And I know for a fact... Uh, this will make you excited. I know for a fact Ochi won't die because um, he appears in Star Wars Episode Nine. 
Oh. Yeah, like one of these newer ones. Hmm. He was technically in the movie before he was in these chomps. Nice. Like yep. this man. Alright, Jakob, we'll introduce our number two. For number two, we have Hellboy and the BPRD, The Seven Wives Club. And this is, book right here was, it was it's a me pick, because yeah, obviously it's Hellboy. I, lo- I like Hellboy. Always been a fan of Hellboy, but don't read like any ongoing Hellboy. Yeah. But Hellboy one shots, you know, they're, they're two for two right now. They're two for two. Both have been real big hitters. You know, do, do you agree? Yeah, the Fearless Dawn. Yeah. Hell yeah, that one was great. That one was our number one that week. Yeah, and so, this one's so our far, number two. You know, so far they're they're hitting. Might need to get on some Hellboy. Yeah, because this book, one minute. It's a detective comic, and the next minute, it's paranormal activity. And they're yeah. doing a whole lot of both, and it switches back and forth so seamlessly. You know? Yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, the exact same thing you said. You know, in the very beginning, I was like, okay, this is going to focus more on the crime side of things and detective work and all. And then it was like, okay, like, she's talking about all this paranormal stuff, and she's freaked out, and she, like, believes there was more to what happened, and she was kind of manipulated. When I say she, I'm talking about, like, the character that was basically dragged into, like, all of this crap, which drags Hellboy and, what was her name? The Detective. I'm just going to say The Detective. It brings Hellboy and The Detective into, you know, questioning her and seeing what's kind of going on with all of that. Um, I did think it was kind of cool. The house that they go into is absolutely massive. Like, when we're talking haunted mansion, like Luigi's Mansion, this is what it would be like, fam. Yeah, this is Luigi's Mansion that they go into. This thing is huge. But the book doesn't even take place in the mansion. What? Yeah. I totally thought they were in it the whole time. No. That's why they went down the basement and stuff. The basement's to a hospital. No. Yeah. What? Yeah, unless I misread something. Yeah, the, the whole book takes place at a hospital thing, doesn't it? Cause it, I it, thought it was a mansion where the where Wakeman was teaching those nurses how to be physicians. No, they did that to Wakeman's body after it was sold to them. Wakeman's body was sold because no one wanted it to the nurses at that school, and then the nurses did the stuff. Damn. Yeah, this, well, he this Jacob picked up so much more about this than I did because I missed all of that. Yeah, totally that thought the they just they went did to, go the to house. his house. No, not his met- house. I totally thought they just went back to where her and the guy, like the girl who was in the cell at the police precinct, yeah. I thought they went back to the house where she shot the dude to see what was going on. Yeah, they did at one point, but then they met with the old man. And the old man told him, nah, his body is here at this they hospital. Met with the old- that my mom worked at, where my mom learned at, remember? Right. Yeah, that was at a hospital, or, they, or a school for nurses and doctors. Yeah, but that, that was basically just the big mansion thing. There's two mansions in the book. They go, they go to both of them. I thought you were talking about his mansion was huge, because his mansion was huge. But Who, the Wakeman? school, Yeah. The school I thought Wakeman's mansion is the school. No. That's what I'm saying. They said in the book that well, his, well his now, body was well now I don't the understand the book and now I'm turned off like fuck it I don't like it don't, it's maybe a two. I don't understand it maybe I don't understand it it is number two <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I might honestly reread that because now you got me second guessing whether I even know what I read. I was pretty sure that lost I knew. In, I lost in the sauce I was. Yeah, I was pretty sure I knew, but sloshed I was last night. Could not read, not. I, I can't even that read this last night. Yeah. Oh lordy, lordy, Mama is forty. All right, but See? we're at like what? So when nobody claimed him. They sent his body over to the Holy Sisters of the Marne. Yeah. yeah, that's where his body was. Okay. At their school. Got you. Those thoughts. See? I'm crazy about them. But I didn't think his house was a mansion. Was it huge? Mm-hmm. It's pretty big. Got you. It's pretty big. But, uh, what? Anything else you can say now that you understand it? Well, like, really, the only part that I wanted to comment was once they were in the basement, because more of the boat happened in the basement, and, like, in that kind of house, like, in the the last setting that they're in. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed how they discovered how to beat the witches, or, like, beat the ghosts. I was going to say, that's one of my favorite things about this book, because I'm a big, you know, I like cryptids and stuff like that, and I also really like monster hunting, but I feel like cryptid is like a more realistic form of that yeah but like in monster hunting stuff like the witcher the takedown of wraith or any kind of anything like this yeah that you have to destroy what it's connected to you know right. it's not just something you can fight and i like that they it's that deep yeah you know and that's just it was nice oh yeah the only time you're gonna catch like something being shallow enough to just like suck up ghosts and it's like oh they're gone like we didn't have to destroy anything is ghostbusters yeah other than that, like, most of the time, like, Supernatural, they would always have to burn or destroy the bones of, like, whoever was, like, doing whatever. Yeah. I feel you like know. that's something that makes Hellboy neat is that he can do both. Yeah. You know, he can be the detective, like, actual ghost hunter, gotta figure out how to get rid of it. But then he also, he can whip out the Magnum. Yeah. You know? Or yeah. just, like, the, what's his fist called? It's like the Red Boy, Hand of if something. You, if you didn't ask. I think it was the Red Arm of Hell, something like if that. If you didn't ask, I would know. Well, anyway, give me your rating on this book. Four. A four. A four. Okay, like, I'm right at, like, a two and a half, because, like I said, I'm confused. Like, I'm going to go back and read it, and maybe, like, in, when I'm typing up, like, the description or whatever, like, I'll be like, all right, you know, and I was actually, like, a four or three and a half, but, like, with my still lost in the sauceness, I'm going to sit at the 2.5. God. What was Did number one, Mr. Mac? Oh, man, that's number one. This was our joint pick. Buddy, this was some freaking heat, in my opinion. This is Strange Academy, number five. And we got one more issue before this first story arc is over, or volume one of Strange Academy is over. But this issue is what we need to be focused on. This issue, like I mentioned last time on issue four, that was the first cameo appearance of the Hollow. This is the first full appearance of the Hollow. And this book was some fire. This book was phenomenal. Save my boy Calvin. Yes. That should be priority one. That's the boy. Well, uh, I want to say uh, priority number one in this book was uh, we finally got the ladies like showing some love to the fellas who were just putting themselves out there. Like, I absolutely love that Emily called Doyle cute like to his face yeah I like that, that was I was a very like cute scene. you know what 
That's what we we need more women like that. That's built different. That's, that was the cutest shit. And he turned pink. Yes. Like, oh, look at Doyle getting flustered. Yes, getting dude. flustered because his girl said he's cute. And see, like, Ilric, bruh, he's just jealous. Yeah. Honestly, I just think he's really jelly. I was explaining to Caitlin earlier that that's one of my favorite parts of like this book. Yeah, it's just like the little things like that, you know. Yeah, the dynamic between like the the teenagers. Yeah, I just think it's so neat. The only thing that this book did that let me down was it didn't have enough of um. Zoe. Yeah, uh, we yeah. got to see her a couple times. Do you yeah. think it's Zoe or Zoe? I think it's Zoe. Okay, but we got to see her a couple times. She had a couple lines, but we didn't get to see her in action. Yeah, and that's something I really. We did get um, what's her face though? What's her name? Miss Who? Miss ha- Haven? Yeah. No, Hazel. Yeah, Miss Hazel. Hazel. Yeah, she talked about. A that was book. super interesting. But that's just Calvin. That's just more Calvin. What do you mean? No, that told us about Doyle. Remember it that was it like was her Doyle. eye thing. It was Doyle. It was Doyle. And I that was, was weird. Calvin. Like, what yeah. happened with that? Because it yeah. didn't really like. Doyle's gonna get that suit schooled. I, yeah, <laughs> that school sued. God, <laughs> that's so back. I said that. That school exactly sued backwards. or sued school or. What did you say? Sued school? Yeah, I said sued school. Damn. But, uh, dude, I I like everything about this book. Like we said, from the little interactions between the the peers to the search for Calvin, um, the Hollow, I wouldn't say they're necessarily a bad villain. They're not really intimidating, but they're there. Like, they definitely pose a threat to these kids. Okay, I don't think they posed that big of a threat because Calvin was talking trash from the get-go. And I love it. I love Calvin's little trash talking because it's so wholesome. You know? Yeah. Like, he's not saying anything really bad. Yeah. But he's saying as bad as he, like... Well, he that, can, that's, the, that's the best kind of trash talking is when you don't have to swear, use expletives, or, like, really tell someone off. But, like, you get them real good with just great words. Like, a... Yeah. a, a, a Killer one-liner or something like that. Calvin's just—I love Calvin. I need—we need to see more Calvin. Calvin yeah. might be my second favorite character. Keep that right same now. energy, Calvin. What? Right behind your uh, namesake? No, my favorite character is Zoe. Oh, uh, so Zoe. Zoe's yeah. your favorite character. Okay. Yeah, I like that. She's the voodoo. Emily's still on. She's like that. She hasn't done anything cool. She's like that. She's the leader of this class, and she has she that same did. type of energy like me. Like, when I'm in a big group of people, like, if nobody's stepping up, I'm stepping up. I like Zoe because she's dead inside. That is super interesting. Like, I can't wait to see what they're going to yeah. do. If that's going to play, you know, some kind of vital role in the de- her demise. Is that a weakness of hers that can be exploited in battle? You know, there's a lot that could be written into that one little detail that her necklace keeps her you know looking young even though she is kind of we assume undead or you know who knows we don't that's the whole thing we don't really know that much we've only gotten little glimpse glimpses and glimmers on what her potential and what her backstory might definitely dead there's nothing she's not old yeah. Okay, you said necklace keeps her like it's it's like an age thing. No, she's dead. You think that that is definitely she's a corpse. Well, see, if she was a corpse, then whenever the necklace was like you know broken off of her, or snatched off of her, she wouldn't be able to live. Like what? she would just like, she, I don't think she would rattle into bones or anything. But I think like you know a withdrawn and just like dried up, you know, still skinned piece of human would just fall down. Like, you know what I mean? Well, she just gets stiff and still. fall. She's still living. Right. I got you. 
No, it's just like a it's, hiding in plain yeah. sight type of thing. Oh, okay. To hide what she is. You gotcha. Know? I think it's more like that. She's always like that. She's always something. I think she's some form of like undead. Okay. You know, like she's a voodoo queen or something. She's actually undead. You don't think theory. there's a chance that she might be just from like another world? No, I think she's definitely 120% voodoo. Okay. Like there's. I mean, there's, I definitely think she is. Yeah. There's something going on with her and Doctor Voodoo and Miss Hazel, just the way they all interact. Yeah. You know, there's some kind of connection. Hmm. Well, then, um, damn, what's his name? Then Voodoo should have said something strange, like whenever they met in his office in this issue. Crazy about him. If they really are, like, tied in or he knows something bigger about the whole, like, Voodoo stuff, or even if he knows anything more about, like, Doyle and, like, why his eyes were left behind in her, like, in Miss Hazel. Yeah. Or, like, why that power was left in her eyes, like... Dude, I like how Scotty Young is writing this comic because he kind of just jumps around to here and there. Like, he lets them fight one minute. And I thought another really funny scene was, like, when they were trying to teleport and stuff. And then it just kind of does, like, a TV show. And it's like, all right, like, here we go, guys. And it's like, whoosh, all the magic happens and everything. And then it just pans to another scene. It's like, well, this is not quite what I was thinking, but... Hey, I guess we're doing this now, and it's just yeah. like a completely different scene. I like stuff like that, so I thought it was cool to see that in a comic rather than a show. Definitely. What would you rate this, Mr. Matt? Um, this book for me is probably a solid like. This is a solid three and a half for me. I'll give it another four. Okay. It, like, well, no, I'm gonna give it a three and a half too. I would say four, but it didn't have enough Zoe or Zoe, whichever one. If it had more, then it would be a definite four. I got you. So, I'm just looking at some news right now. I wanted to see if we could find a piece of spec or something, but I don't think any. I haven't heard anything. Me either. I've just heard a whole bunch of drama about that uh, Amber Heard, like the whole abuse thing with Johnny Depp. Like I've just hear yeah. more and more about that. Yeah, that blew up again. Mm. Oh, that's that's interesting. The Thor Love and Thunder movie hired the editor, the movie editor for Venom. Hmm, cool. Yeah. And while that's not something we can really expound on and just talk about for a while, I mean, I think that could potentially be, like, a really good move. Um, because I didn't think Venom had a bad sequence of how everything was kind of falling into place, you know? I think it kind of worked, if I remember correctly. I only watched that movie twice no three times i saw it once in the theater and twice at home or with other people dude it's good i I definitely suggest either watching that sometime soon or wait another three or four months and watch it with me right before we go see venom (laughs) 2 um something else and we've never talked about manga stuff or anime stuff i don't think on the podcast but this would definitely be something uh so Demon Slayer a couple of weeks ago was rumored to be like live a- like have plans for a live action that mm-hmm. was going to be made in Japan and like broadcasted everywhere like kind of on a streaming service there. Mm-hmm. But now apparently it's been um, dismissed by one of the bigger uh, filming studios called um, if I pronounce this right Shuisha um, or Shuisha in Japan. So like. Now, they've kind of said, no, that's not happening. That that was literally rumors. But if this ends up flaring up, you know, Demon Slayer potentially having a live, live-action adaptation or just live-action story, you know, unique new stories in general, 
I think this could be something that fans would definitely be fiending for. Do you want to know some anime news I heard this week? What's up? Uh, so, you know how anime and rap are like really intertwined? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, XXTentacion's mom tweeted something, and now she's got everyone riled up because I didn't read what the tweet was about. Yeah. But it blew up on Twitter afterwards because now it's rumored that they're actually making an anime about him. And I don't know, I didn't look too much further into it because I didn't think it was that interesting. Right. But it's the kind of thing, if I see it again, I'm definitely going to have to look more into it because it was just rumored, you know? Yeah, I mean, and if that's you a s- very random thing to, like, happen. Right. You know, so I was like, eh, I'll just let that one go. If you see that again and it's on somewhere like Snap or Insta, shoot it yeah. to me and I'll read it yeah. if you don't want to. Yeah, this was just something I'd seen. I don't even remember where I seen it, but it wasn't somewhere where I was like, that's probably credible. And it was just like, yeah. oh, that's something. Yeah. And just kept going. I got you. Yeah, if it's not from a credible source, then it might not have been worth your time. Okay, as soon as that pops up on my complex on Snapchat, you will get it. <laughs> All right. Bet. Well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the 42nd Kessel Run Comics Podcast. This is your host, Macadelic, and co-host, Skelly Boy. And this is us, signing off. Later, people. <laughs>